I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Um, another episode. Uh, today, I will be talking about... Basically, what it was like to be, you know, from my experience of what I've seen, what it was to be in Argentina back in 86 and what that meant for Argentina and Argentinians. And then also I talk about my experience with soccer and being Argentinian in another country and what this World Cup means to us as Argentinians. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know it went a little bit too long, but I think it's worth it. Uh, it only gets better as it goes deeper and deeper into the conversation, or the single conversation. But hopefully you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cuatro Cuatro Dos. Once again, this is your boy Christian, and uh, today we're just going to keep it simple, or we're just going to go off the dome, and I'm just going to say, just talk about some of my feeling, emotions, and everything that kind of revolves around uh, soccer, my life, and what this Argentinian team is doing in the World Cup, you know, which is the biggest stage in the world ever. I mean, in sports, basically, and uh, what the what what the team is doing, what my feelings are, where my head is at. I really don't know, so I just came here to rant. Um, I know that I missed the last week on the episode, but here we are. I've been doing uh, every single day that there was a game for the World Cup. I would jump on on Instagram Live, and I would do like, kind of like a breakdown of the day. So if you haven't checked those out, if you want to check those out, I know it might be a little bit late now, but you know there were fun little videos. That I was doing just to kind of stay up and keep some content going. And not only keep some content going, but just kind of stay on top of these games. So those were that was like one of the only ways that I would actually have to pay attention uh, to the games. And, and was able to watch you know some highlights or something like that of every single game. So literally every single game that has happened in this World Cup, I have watched at least five minutes of it. Uh, which is an amazing feat, you know, coming... From you know, from a guy that like I always say has a full time job, a full a full time family, um, and you know I still try to make ways to um, be able to watch the beautiful game, be able to watch what's going on in the world, and be able to kind of share my thoughts and feelings about you know what's going on soccer wise, you know when it comes to like just the game itself as tactics or whatever it may be, or even just you know just sharing my my ideas on what I think on specific you know topics or you know whatever it may be i know that this year maybe or this world cup is my first world cup kind of covering you know the world cup as a somebody that talks about the world cup and some people listen to me um but you know just kind of prepping myself to what 2024 will bring in copa america which super great news uh that we're having copa america here in the united states once again so 2020 2024 is going to be amazing for me because I'll be able to use, you know, the experiences that I've done or everything that I've done this World Cup and just kind of turn it up a notch. Uh, 2023, I'm going to be investing in, in myself in a way. 
I'm going to start to learn new things. Uh, I'm going to just, you know, try to make everything kind of like better and more professional for everybody watching and listening and just kind of make it more entertaining. Honestly, you know, we're in the era of TikTok and we're in the era of like short videos and short clips. And I'm not, you know, I'm going to I'm going to try to keep, you know, give that content as well. But I'm I'm a guy that likes really long, you know, winded, you know, conversations, long winded talks and you know if you listen to any of my stuff you know that i can talk for for ages right so i don't know if i if i'll be jumping on on tiktok to be honest uh i know i just it's kind of like in the plant or not but you know for sure you know the whole podcast podcasting thing and talking to people will be uh kind of you know on crack on 2023 i'm I really want to get a lot of people on the show and just kind of talk about life, talk about soccer, talk about how that, you know, those two connect. So I'm hoping to have more interviews next year than I did this year. Honestly, um, there's a lot of stuff going on, like not a stuff going on, but like some people have passed away in the soccer world or at least in my immediate soccer world uh, that it just kind of has changed my mind in, in the way that. You know, maybe I've been waiting too long to get some people on the podcast. And and some of them, you know, literally have passed away and I wasn't able to get to them because, you know, I didn't make the time for it or I was just kind of too shy or whatever it may be to like ask them to come on. So I'm going to try to make, you know, 2023 the year where I shoot my shot like I did last year. And, and honestly, I might have another podcast towards the end of the year to kind of give you a snapshot of that but i guess that's going to be a conversation for them but you know i just wanted to say that i guess since i'm in that topic of people passing away uh my some person that i had on the podcast gave from boca in english podcast you know he covers everything uh boca juniors in english uh here in the united states his dad passed away or you know literally a couple of weeks ago so it sucks, you know, those things hook. And then we had the the founder, basically, the, the guy that founded Space City Lions, which is the Aston Villa supporter group. He also died, uh, I think, last week. And it kind of came as a shock to everybody because the guy, you know, he was a young guy. And he, he, I think, I guess it seems like he had some health issues or whatever it may be, but he ended up passing away. And, and it was just kind of like a shock to everybody in the group. And, you know, I'm not really active as much as I want to because, you know, because of work and, and, you know, the times of Premier League games are on the weekends and in the mornings and I usually work and stuff like that. And so I was able to meet him and I was able to, like, have conversations with him a couple of times that I went to, to the bar. And, you know, it just it kind of hits you hard because it's like, damn, I'm not going to see that person anymore. And, you know, and he was such an important role when it comes to the to the soccer scene in Houston. You know, it would have been great to, to have him on the podcast and, and him showing his story of how an American can fall in love with an English team and create a whole group for them. And he had never been to, you know, to Villa Park, you know, the, the stadium over there. And it was crazy because in 2023, he was planning on going to Villa Park, like him and another couple of guys they had you know a plan together you know they were just gathering the final details to make it to villa park next year um to go watch a game and you know you know visit the for first time and be amongst the people you know that 
he loves so much, you know, as a soccer fan. And, you know, that happened, so it was kind of like a shock. But, you know, 2023, I hope to have more people. You know, if you're listening and you're a soccer person or, or you know somebody that you would, you know, would like to hear about, let me know. And I'm going to, I'll hit them up and see if we can, you know, arrange some time to have them on the podcast. Uh, so we can just kind of share stories and, and stuff like that. But, you know, so that those are the stuff that has been, I guess, happening, you know, in the last few weeks amongst this World Cup, which is also amazing, you know, especially, like I said, being Argentinian, this has been a great time for me. I've been happy. I've been nervous like heck. That, that Netherlands game, I was, I was a nervous wreck the whole entire day. You know, till the end. Um, for this one, for the Croatia game that just happened today, as I'm recording this, um, I wasn't as nervous, to be honest with you guys. I, I actually wasn't nervous at all. I really thought Argentina had a good chance. And I don't know, I just I just wasn't nervous. And as soon as Argentina dropped two goals, I was like, well, you know, I guess, I guess my feelings were correct, right? Uh, but I started thinking about, you know, what this means for people in Argentina, for, for, and I'll probably have some Argentinians on the podcast to kind of, you know, share the, share their stories and maybe in English or in, in, in Spanish as well, because, you know, some of them don't speak English, but I just want, you know, I want them to share their, their, their feelings and, and the emotions because, you know, I'm here in a, in a little cocoon and, you know, I watch the games by myself and, you know, Twitter is one thing and Instagram is another thing. And, you know, some people that have Facebook, you know, you see there what was going on. But it's cool to see and it's cool to have, like, perspectives from other people that live in different, you know, parts of the world. Like, I have cousins, you know, I say this on my other shows, but I have cousins in Australia. And, and you know, it's like, I wonder how they feel, you know, because they have a similar story than I do. You know, they, they maybe they, they were born in Australia or they grew up in Australia, uh, but obviously their roots are Argentinian. So... It's like how do you how do you live and how do you feel the you know the success of this soccer team? Literally, I mean it's a soccer team, but it, it changes the mood of people, you know. So, you know, we'll see if we can get them on the podcast as well and kind of talk to them and, and give them their you know for for them to give us their thoughts. Um, so you guys kind of have an idea of what you know what would crazy as Argentinians feel like because you know a lot of people you know. Some people hate, and, and it's completely understandable. You know, I hate I hate other people, <laughs> you know? Like, not hate, but, you know, it's like one of those things that I don't want Brazil to win anymore. You know, it's it's just the rivalry stuff. And and, and, I'm, and there's a lot of people out there that don't want Argentina to win, you know? And, and funny enough, today, like, some people were like, man, is there any way that Messi can win but not Argentina, you know? Because I think everybody... You know, except those few haters out there, there everybody's like in a consensus that they want to see Messi kind of win the World Cup. It's like he earned it type of way. You know, he has won everything in his life, and the only thing that he cannot win, or it seems like in, cannot win, is like you know the pinnacle of the sport, which is a World Cup. And he was so close in 2014 that, and you know now, it seems you know reachable. I mean, he's in the final already. So you know, the only thing that separates him from the from the holy grail of soccer is 90 minutes and a team in front of him right that wants the same thing because you know if, you, if you're gonna play france you know they're gonna they're gonna want another cup you know they, they want their third one um as well do they have to yeah they have two so i mean they want their third one as, as bad as we do you know 
And, and you know, if you play Morocco, I mean, Morocco's already making history by making it to the semifinal. They could care less, you know, about who's in front of them. They're just going to put their head down and work, you know. And, and, and not only for, for Moroccan people who, man, I, honestly, I didn't even know there was that many of them, you know, n- nothing against you guys. But it, it would be cool also to have somebody from Morocco and give them, you know, give your experience as a Moroccan, you know, like African teams and African nations, you know, out of anybody that you would think, you wouldn't think an Arabic country, you know, you're, you're going to think of, you know, the, the more, the mo- mostly known as African teams, you know, West African teams as, you know, Senegal, Nigeria, or whatever it may be, you know, Ghana, um, you know, those are the teams that we usually think of when we think Africa, South Africa, you know, Cameroon, uh, teams like that, you know. Uh, but whenever you think of the Arab world, you know, when you think of Morocco, when you think Algeria, when you think uh, Syria or Egypt, you know, you kind of put them into the, like the whole Middle East, you know, region just because of their language. And obviously they look different, you know, even though, you know, they might some of them might have some features. And some of them might have other features. Uh, so you kind of distinguish them by that. But it's cool that to see that Morocco can represent not only a nation, but like a group of people and also a continent. You know, so it, it's cool to see how, you know, the diversity and, and how literally how the, the sport unites just people, period. You know, like you've seen celebrations in New York. Glenn Davis today was talking about, you know, people celebrating in Houston and it's just cool to see, man. And and, and, it, and it's going to be cool to see just whoever wins. You know, how their people react. How their fans and, you know, the people that love that country or love, you know, anything that comes out of there. You know, how they react. But me as an Argentinian, I guess we can get into it. Um, another discussion that people talk about, you know, they, they try to compare the 1986 World Cup to this one. They try to compare it. Maradona to Messi, they try to compare, you know, make those comparisons uh, of who's better or who has it easier or who did it better and, you know, and, and stuff like that. And and the more that I think about it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to kind of learn to separate in a way, right? Um, just because 1986 was such a different world. And, you know, the World Cup in 1986 was, you know, at the end of a, of a war that we had with England over the the Malvinas, the Falkland Islands. I can't even pronounce that one. But, uh, you know, Argentina and England went, went in a small war, uh, had a small war back in the 80s, early 80s, that, you know, the, the English at the end of the day kind of won. You know, I don't want to get into political shit, but... You know, it just it just got messy, and you know, a lot of Argentinian got you know young men that were recruited and you know basically called up for the military. If you were over you know eighteen or over, you were literally called up to go to fight. You know, and you know, my dad always tells me that you know he got lucky because you know he was a bit younger; he was like fifteen or something. But you know, he was like. They got to a point that, you know, even at 15 years old, I thought I was going to get sent, you know, and, you know, and I've talked to people, you know, older folks uh, from that, you know, a little bit older than my parents and my dad's age. And, you know, be like, man, I just he was like, I was a number off because they would they would like send you by your 
I guess it would be like by your um, what's this number? Your IRS number? Not IRS, but what's this number? I keep you know the you know the number the number that you have that you're assigned at birth basically. So in Argentina, everybody has the same number, right? That they put on your documentos, and you know they would be like, okay, from number you know. Let's just say, for example, from number 1,000 to 2,000, you guys are going to the Marines. From number 3,000 to 4,000, you guys are going to the Army. And that's how they did it. It's not like you picked and choose what where you want it. You know, they just sent you there because of your number. Uh, my dad, actually, he had to, he was in the Argentinian Marine because that's the number that he, like, he had. You know, that's his number and he just got sent to the Marines for a few years to kind of do the like basic training and stuff like that. It was mandatory back in that day, uh, back in the 80s, especially after the war because they didn't know if it was going to, you know, come back or whatever it may be. But, you know, you have to go for a couple of years at least to do mandatory. They took it out now. I think in the late 90s they, they got rid of it. But in the late 80s and early 90s, everybody had to go do some military time. And you were just kind of thrown in there and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And if we go to war, guess what, buddy? You're going to war. Um, so it, it's cool to see. And so when you go to the backdrop and the history of what Argentina was in the 80s, you get to experience what that meant for the whole country that Argentina won. First of all, not only Argentina winning, period, but the fashion that they they won, right? The, the way that they kind of got to it. Because in the way... They had to play England, you know, and and I think everybody have seen the goals, you know, the two more, the two famous goals from Maradona, the hand of God, and then the one that he makes the run from midfield, taking on like seven, eight dudes. Those two goals not only are memorable in Argentina because, you know, not only memorable in soccer because of how good they were or how sneaky they were, you know, in the hand of God. You know, the, the creativity, you know, even though it was illegal and whatever, you you know, you can bring your arguments to the table about, you know, being illegal and, oh, we're cheaters or whatever it may be. But you just have to, like, soccer is about being creative. And if you're going to cheat it and you don't get caught, you know, that's just part of the game. You know what I mean? Like, who doesn't, you know, people flop all the time. And, you know, you can make arguments for cheating. Obviously, you would rather not see people cheating in the game and you would rather you know people be honest and fair play and you know that's that's something created by fifa fair play <laughs> because they were tired of you know people being sneaky like maradona type thing you know it's like let, let, let's try to have some type of morality you know in the game and, and try to be civil about it but you know even you playing in your leagues you know how many people have you met that are just straight up cheaters and and you know just harmful hurtful people that just are there to hurt people or whatever it may be right so argentina coming off the heels of a war with england you know you have that that thing and argentinians they see like we kind of see you know this might be exaggerating but we kind of see our soccer team or or you know national team as like as our army in a way, you know, they're the biggest representation that we have, you know, of our country. Like there's, you know, I don't know, the United States has, I don't know, I can't think of anything that kind of relates to it. But like the main export that we have as a country is soccer. I mean, just think about anything else, you know, um, I don't know, Japan, Japan, 
Japan has electronics or whatever maybe you know smart people you know out of the United States you can think about like NASA and just like rocket ships or you know arms you know weapons <laughs> like you think of Israel you think of weapons you think of uh, you think of Germany you think of cars you know you think of Italy you think of food you think of England you think of like I don't know whatever it may be you know every country usually has an expert that they contribute to culture period right and the only thing well not the only thing because argentina has a lot of cultural richness that you know we could dig in and just kind of find it right but one of the main exports of culture in argentina is soccer and and soccer itself you know in the world has become a culture of its own i mean and nowadays like there's like a culture of how soccer players dress you know, how, you know, sportswear has become part of the culture, you know, wearing a jersey on your day-to-day basis without, like, not in a soccer game has become a regular thing. Like, you can wear a jersey to the store and, you know, as a shirt and people are not going to question, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's going to go play soccer. Maybe he's not. He's wearing a pair of jeans, you know, under it. So, like, soccer has become so so much part of the culture that, Argentina has become a main expert of players, you know, of, of, of stars. And, you know, starting with Leo Messi, I guess you can say, you know, here. But back in the day, you know, we saw our soccer team as warriors, as, you know, the, the representation of Argentina to the world, you know. And I think that we've seen that since, since probably earlier than that. But I think the 80s solidified Argentinian players, especially with Maradona being one of the only few ones in that time. And, you know, after the 80s, the 90s were a huge boom of, you know, of export of soccer players to Italy, to not a lot to um, to England, but like a lot of uh, players to France, not but a couple of friends, but mainly the Spanish League and the Italian League. The Italian League was like extremely popular in the 90s, you know, with a bunch of really good teams. Um, and, and a lot of soccer players that came out of the 80s went into the 90s to play in, in Italy, you know, Batistuta, you can, you know, just kind of name them, you know, like the greats from, from, from Argentina from the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, the guys that I grew up with in a way. Um, so us winning that cup and the way that we won that cup meant a lot for the country, especially, like I said, coming from a like a defeat in war a defeat in economy, a defeat in, like, morale, you know, because the people were down. You know, people were losing kids left and right. Also, Argentina had, had just left a dictatorship in that war. I mean, part of that war got started because of the dictatorship. So, you know, not, like I said, not to get too political, but, you know, a lot of people were suffering. A lot of people were going through a lot of shit. And in soccer, I forgot where I heard it. But in Argentina, like people, because the other day I was, I went to dinner with my wife and she, she was asking me like, you know, why do Argentinians love soccer so much? Like why, what is it that makes you guys, you know, makes you guys go crazy and, and have so much emotion for it? And, and I couldn't, ex- you know, it's hard to explain something like that because at the end of the day, it's just a game, you know, like it's just a sport. It, it's just something that, you know. It's not that it's meaningless, but, you know, if you go to the basics of it, it's, it's, it's meaningless, you know? Like, how can you let a soccer game played by, you know, 22 dudes 
that do not know your name? Like, how do you let that dictate, you know, how you feel, how you're going to go in your day-to-day basis, who you fight against on Facebook, you know, like stuff like that. Who do you like? Who do you hate? You know, you form alliances, you know, with different countries. Like right now, Argentinas and, and are really big with Bank- Bangladesh. Like, I don't know how, where that came from, but a lot of Bangladesh people are for Argentina and it's amazing and it's weird but it's amazing you know and like those two countries are kind of like building something off the heels you know off the backs of these players and and it's weird and but it's crazy but something I told my wife was soccer for us is David like it's it's going to the stadium ir a la cancha como se dice en Argentina like we say in Spanish um it's it's a vacation for poor people It's vacation for poor people. And she was like, what do you mean? And and I was like, well, think about it. Like, what do you what do you do on vacation? So you basically deep like de-plug, unplug yourself from reality, from real life, from your job, from stress, from maybe your relationships, you know? Uh, maybe you just have a crazy spouse or whatever. Maybe maybe you should get divorced <laughs> if you do have a crazy spouse. But You know, like when it comes to your life, your your job, your your stress, your responsibilities, and everything like that. When you go to the stadium, when you watch a soccer game, like for those two hours that you're there, everything just fades away. Everything is just out of mind, out of sight. These dudes are in complete control of your you know of your mental health, of your you know of your emotions, and you know hopefully it's good. You know sometimes it's bad. I mean. I'm me growing up in Houston, Texas, and and being a Houston Dynamo fan. You know, it's not great all the time, but you know, you find you know good things to to kind of like you know grab yourself about. You like you know, I'm proud that in Houston, even though we might have a bad team, we we have a not a, a huge fan base, but the fan base that we have is it's good. You know, and and I and you know they might have their flaws. But I think, you know, when it comes to your experience in the stadium, we might be one of the best, you know, in stadium, like, presence that, you know, in the league, honestly. And, you know, may, maybe some of you will disagree or, or agree. But in my opinion, like, I, f- I feel at home when I go to, you know, to PNC Stadium. When I get there and, and I hear the drums, when I hear the chanting, like I said, it might not be huge amount of people. It might not be the biggest... But when I see, you know, flags waving, when I see people chanting, when I see people, you know, sh- waving their arms, I feel like I'm in, I'm in Argentina. And, and and I've never been to an Argentinian stadium because when I came to the U.S., I was really young. And the way, you know, where I lived and, and the way my family worked, we were not able to, like, travel to, to the stadium or whatever it may be, right? But I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But I've my, my soccer life, you know, living where I lived and knowing that there were like soccer stadiums, like lower division soccer stadiums around, you know, where I lived. And, and I would see them, you know, maybe not daily basis, but, you know, every once in a while we had to travel to go somewhere else to go play. And, you know, you would cross, you know, this stadium for this third division team or this stadium for the fourth division team of, or whatever, maybe. But, in, you know, in Argentina, stadiums are everywhere. And, and on the weekends, you know, you would see people literally migrating from one neighborhood to the other to go to stadiums. So, you know, wearing their colors and, and you know, with their flags and their drums and and everything that came with it. So, you know, going to PNC kind of brings you back to those childhood memories. So, you know, going back to the whole point of being the poor man's vacation, that's what it is in Argentina. You know, like soccer is a sport of the people. You know, by the people, for the people. And, you know, a lot of the clubs in Argentina are owned, you know, quote-unquote, by the people. Like, you become a member of, of like, you, you, a socio, you know, uh, a partner of, of the club. So, at the end of the day, like, there's elections where you pick the president of the club who makes the decisions. And there's literally people that run to become president of clubs, right? So you go and you pick whoever you think is going to do the best for your club. And, and it's very, like, democratic. Here in the United States, obviously, the, the idea is a little bit different. You know, it's, it's kind of like a McDonald's. Somebody owns it, and then they just kind of franchise it out. And then there's owners, and they sell, they buy, you know, whatever seems fit for their pockets as well. You know, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a business, and it's an investment for them. And, and some owners, have we, we seen in Houston, you know, some, some owners care about their people and some don't, you know. And, and it's sad when they don't because the people are the life, you know, the lifeline, the, the blood of the team. You know, they're, they're the oxygen of a club, of a soccer club. But some people just don't give, you know, two fucks. And, and that's their prerogative. You know, they see it as an investment that, you know, if it's not good, they'll sell it. Or if they're making money, they'll keep it or whatever it may be, right? But... You know, the way that people saw soccer in in 1986 was, this is our vacation. This is our way to escape the bullshit from the, our government, to escape the bullshit of my brother was sent to a war to get killed because we didn't even have guns. You know, like, they were literally sending kids to die f- with no guns. Uh, and it was like in the winter, the war was in the winter, they didn't have proper, like, coats. Like, people were sending coats that they owned to soldiers at war. You know what I mean? And then on the other side, you had, you know, the British Navy, the British soldiers, you know, backed by, you know, the biggest powers in the world and, (laughs) you know, planes and shit like that. Like, Argentinians, at one point in time, the government was calling Argentinians to give up, you know, to donate money to the government so they can buy weapons they can buy bullets like they don't they didn't have bullets you know what i mean like how you go a war with no bullets right argentina did right and 
and the people, you know, as Argentinians as as they were, they gave their, you know, some people gave their cars, some people sold their houses and gave their money, some people sold their jewelry and gave their money to the government. And what happened was that the government ended up pocketing the money, <laughs> and you know they wouldn't send them anything. They wouldn't send the, the the kids of Malvinas. You know, like when we sing the songs, like if you ever listen or pay attention to the songs that Argentinians sing, we don't say soldiers of Malvinas. We say pibes of Malvinas, young men, because at the end of the day, it was a bunch of 18 to 22 year old dudes. That were just picked out of their homes. You know, are you able body? Well, guess what, buddy? You're getting on a ship and you're going to an island to to probably go get murdered by a by a British plane. You know what I mean? So, you know, this is like borderline whatever, and I'm going for forever now, but it is what it is. Hopefully you're staying for this talk conversation. But um, you know, winning a workup got rid of all those issues for a while. You know, go out there, celebrate for once. Get out in the streets, be happy. Hug your mom, hug, hug your sister, hug your brother if you still have them. Hug your parent, hug your dad. You know, hug your uncles, whoever it may be. You know, if if that man of the house was still alive, hug him. You know, and then you know, with the with, with the government being you know uh, um, a dictatorship. You know, if you stood up against it. They would just literally pick you up and make you disappear. And there's like a whole movement in Argentina called Las Abuelas de Macho, Las Mamas de Macho. And it's just like a bunch of women that their kids would disappear because their kids, you know, had the balls to kind of say something against the government. And then the next day they would just come get them and, you know, that's it. That was the end of them, you know. And it's hundreds and hundreds of names and, and dudes that were just kind of made disappear by the government so like you know it, it's a whole social thing for us and and soccer it's like one of the good things one of the few things that we're good at in a way and that's what keeps us in a happy place so that kind of like you know moves that around so that was 86 you know and and having maradona is like you know having like a you know i might use some religious content or religious talk but literally in argentina like soccer has become some part of a religion because it's the only thing that kind of makes you feel good and you know religion is it's something that you kind of follow to feel good in a way so soccer has become a religion you know in a way uh maybe not good but at the end of the day it makes people happy so if it makes people happy why not you know hold it at a high standard or or you know venerate it in a way and and yes, like I said before, it is a game, but I think at the end of the day for us as Argentinians, and and, it, and it's weird because I'm young, you know, I didn't live through wars, I nobody in my family got sent to die that I know of, you know, uh, my dad, like I said, he skipped the war because he was a little bit too young, and, and he was 14 or 14 or 15 when he actually saw the whole... Uh, ordeal you know go through and happen and and i remember like there's a big thing that happened in argentina where a group of rebels you know quote unquote they they tried to uh take over a military post that was literally a few blocks away from my dad's house at the time and so it's a whole new thing i think like 20 dudes got killed from there like they try to take over a military post 
and and their idea was to like steal tanks and drive them all the way to the capital and like demand that the people like step down it was the whole dictatorship and my dad was a young guy and I, my dad tells me the story like he was like he was like i was going to work dude like i was 13 14 15 years old and you know he's like i had a job and i was going to war work and you, and you just start hearing shots pa 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 and it's literally the military fighting against like a group of 15 men that went in into this military post and they were shooting back at the militaries from you know <laughs> they were outside trying to gain control back of their post um so you know a bunch of shit i don't know where i was going but the whole point is that i didn't have to live through any of that you know I didn't have it bad, you know, I was lucky enough to have parents that worked, parents that were pretty independent, and, you know, when they kind of saw, you know, the shit almost hitting the fan in early 2000, uh, they decided to come to the United States, and and I was lucky enough to to be brought, you know, to to this great country, and, and, you know, as an immigrant, I came, and, you know, we reside here in Houston, that was our first city, We, we just came straight to Houston, and, you know, that's where we've been since, right? But now, you know, as you grow older as a little immigrant child in a way, um, you, you're kind of torn because you don't really belong here in a way, right? Like, I couldn't work legally until <laughs> I was like 20 years old. And 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 I remember like when, when I got a good job, you know, with my right proper <laughs> paperwork, I had, you know, my boss would ask me like, so, you know, have you ever been back to Argentina? And I'll be like, nah, bro, like, I can't go back. And he, and he, like, in his head till this day, we actually became friends afterwards. And till this day, he'll he'll be like, okay, explain to me why you can't leave the country. And I, I mean, I just can't leave the country, bro. Like, I can't leave. <laughs> I just can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just part of life for me. I grew up like that, that kind of knowing that I'm not going to see any, any of my people ever again. And and it's and it's sad, <laughs> but but at least I have one thing that kind of unites us, which is this passion that we both have. You know, my cousins that I grew up with in Argentina, like now they're my age, and I don't know if I'll ever see them again. You know, depending on, <laughs> like my life is basically at the mercy of of politics in a way, and and like I can't do certain things with my life because you know just because I was wrong in the wrong patch of dirt or whatever it may be, right? But I'm not American fully, right? I don't have all the rights. And then at the same time, I'm Argentinian, but like, am I really Argentinian? Because I grew up in the United States. So how Argentinian can a person be if they grew up in a whole other country, you know, with different cultures, different different language? You know, I'm doing a podcast in English. You know what I mean? Like, and my first, you know, tongue, my first lingua, my first language was Spanish. And in and when I speak to my, when I speak to my cousins in Spanish, you know they're like whoa like you have a weird accent and I'm like bro like I have an accent in English and I have an accent in Spanish like you just don't belong in and I'm sure you know some of you guys that are immigrants or child of or children of immigrants will probably feel the same but you know it's just one of those things that you you just kind of learn to live with you know what I mean and and it it just it is what it is you either let that dictate your life and how you're going to feel about yourself or you just kind of rise up and move up, right? And me rising up and moving up was just kind of like digging deep into my roots, right? And and when I dig deep into my roots, 
I find soccer. I mean, I grew up with soccer. I've been playing competitive soccer. Now, no, none of this, you know, not to trash FFFPS, <laughs> but you know, I've been playing competitive soccer since I was like four years old. You know, you know, going to training twice a week, having games on the weekend. You know, traveling to <laughs> hostile, you know, quote unquote uh, neighborhoods to play against other rival clubs and teams. You know, since I was like five, six years old. Um. I mean, my first tryouts, I was four, literally. And, and, and you get to a team, of the, the youngest is the five-year-old um, team that they have. And you play five years old to, to the age of 12. You play what, what we call in Argentina, baby football, baby football, which is a 5v5 in concrete. And then once you kind of graduate from 5v5, you move on into the grass. You know, by that time, you're like 12, 13 years old. And if you are any good, then you go try out for the big clubs. I remember when I was eight years old, before coming to Argentina, I actually went. I had some cousins that were uh, training for Lanús. You know, some of you guys might know the, the team or not. But Lanús is, you know, one of those uh, mid-table clubs in a way, right? Like here and there, they'll win a cup. You know, they'll, they'll have a really good season. Um, but, you know, Lanús at that time, it was just kind of like a mid-table club. But, you know, a lot of good players come out of those those teams. Um, so I, I went and tried out for Lanús at eight years old, and I made the team at eight years old. Uh, but I remember a few months afterwards, like, my parents decided that, you know, we were coming to the United States, so I had to stop going to train. Um, so we just kind of, like, you know... We came to United States, and and it's and it's crazy because my cousins, some of them ended up going to Boca, Boca Juniors, who I'm a you know giant fan of, and they played for Boca for for a few years too, like in their you know lower divisions. So, who knows? Maybe you know if I would have stayed over there, I could have played. And the you know I'm not saying I would I would have became pro because honestly I don't think so. Uh, like I play soccer, but I'm not like pro level, right? Um, but it would have been cool just to say like, oh shit! Like I played in the you know inferiores of Boca. Like I I I had a year or two where I played you know in the in the you know in the lower divisions in the academy of Boca. That would have been dope. Um, but you know it's just one of those things that like going back to my point. I you know I go everywhere in my story. But going back to my point, the only thing that me and like my cousins now have in common is soccer. And the fact that we support the same teams, or we support different teams, because I have some cousins that are River Plate fans, and you know when it comes to talking shit, you know we talk shit, <laughs> but at the end of the day we're still family, right? But you know it it, it brings us together, you know the the shit talking or the camaraderie. I can't say that word, camaraderie, the 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 brotherhood. You know there you go, the brotherhood that we like put together. That's like what brings us together in a way. And, and it's just soccer. It's just, you know, the love for football, the love for our colors, the love for our selección. And that's what we are seeing now. Like now, you know, every time we see the, the colors and every time we sing the national anthem, I was talking to, to one of my uh, wife's cousins yesterday. He's from Chile. And we were talking about how, how beautiful it is when we hear our anthem. And, and it's something that here in the United States you don't experience because like Americans don't 
unless you're like military which military people tend to be a little bit more patriotic than than most right and they salute and then they kind of understand a little bit deeper the love they have for their national anthem but like when you are from a foreign country your national anthem it's like the only thing you have it's like that's like the deepest root you have you know planted in you you know because here you know you go to any sporting event and it's you know the the anthem you go to this place the anthem you go to this place the like you kind of get desensibilized is that a word i don't know but like your sensitivity for the anthem kind of like just fades away because you hear so often that it's just like another song and 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 you have respect for it because you know it means you know it talks about your country and you respect your country or whatever maybe right but when you hear your national anthem like when you're away from home you're like damn dude like this takes me back to my home in like you know to my initial home to my birthplace and and like me and him we were talking and we were just kind of comparing you know uh, how how like how chilly you know how how much chills your body gets when you hear your national anthem and, and it's just the craziest thing because you know when when i see these international games and you hear the anthem you're like damn dude like i could cry right now and it's like, I only lived there eight years, but I could cry right now just because of this fucking anthem, you know? And, and it's crazy because now as we see Argentina advancing and advancing, um, last time Argentina was in the work, like they got to the final, it was 2014. I was, I was eight years ago. I'm 30 now. So I was 22. I was still kind of young and I was still finding myself in a way, right? Like I, I me, I have the, the idea that you don't really become yourself to like you're you're in your late 20s you know when your brain stops developing in a way or like it's fully developed in your late 20s so i feel like now you know the christian you see now at 30 years old is like just me it's just who i am period you know with my flaws and my you know good things that's just who i am period and at 22 i was just all over the fucking place you know trying to find myself you know how to dress who to impress like now i could care less you know, my wife tells me, dude, like, you're not even matching. I'm like, I really don't care about matching. I just care about comfort right now, you know, like, so I'll wear this because I don't care. <laughs> you know, like, you're not trying to impress anybody, especially after you're married and, you know, you have kids or whatever it may be. Like, it's like, it's like, babe, I'm not here for bitches. You <laughs> know, like, like, I could care less if girls look at me or not, or or, or even other dude, dudes look at me or not. Like, sometimes, you know, I'll dress up or I look good, you know what I mean? Because, you know, who doesn't want to look good? But who cares, you know? But I don't know what my point was. But, oh, finding yourself. But, yeah, like in the 20s, you're still trying to impress people. You're still trying to impress girls. You're, just, you're still trying to impress, you know, your friends or whatever it might be. And now, you know, at 30 years old, I have a different thinking. And I have a different idea. So even the way that I see a World Cup or even the way that I see soccer, I've learned so much in the past, literally in the past two, three years then since I started, you know, working with Dynamo Theory that, you know, talking to people that are knowledgeable and in some cases, like some of these dudes are know a lot more than me. And, you know, it's fun getting into conversations with people that know, you know, equally, you know, about soccer that have played competitive, competitive soccer, maybe in college level or, you know, even Sunday leagues, but, you know, they're still competitive and they understand like soccer as a like in the essence of of the sport you know what i mean 
and understand tactics, understand, you know, different ideas, philosophies that, or whatever it may be like it. And, and you learn a lot of things and and just kind of makes you a better person all around when it comes to soccer. So this year I'm experiencing this. Like, honestly, this feels like my first World Cup ever, you know, because I feel like all the other ones I was a child. You know, going back to 98, my first memory in 98, July 4th, 1998, Argentina gets kicked out by Netherlands. It was my first memory that I have of like, damn, dude, like we just got kicked out by the Netherlands and I hate the Netherlands. <laughs> even though I don't even know where it is. I don't even know what that is. I just don't like the orange team. Like, you know, six years old, who cares? I just don't like them, period. And then, you know, 20, uh, 2002, is my first World Cup here, and it was Japan, Korea, and you know, waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning to watch those games, and you know, you're just a little kid, you know, just kind of trying to live life. You know, 12, 13 years old, you're like, hell yeah, I love soccer, dude, and just trying to try to watch every game or whatever. Then, fast forward, uh, what is it? Uh, 2006, you know, you're still a kid. 2010, I was a little bit grown. 2014 was like I was 22, so I was a little bit you know I was getting to be more mature, whatever maybe, and then Russia you know last time you know I was watching it, but I wasn't really deep into soccer as I am now. I still watched it as you know I want my my country to do good, but you know it's just like eh, I don't know. 2014 had left left such a bad taste in our mouth. That 2018 was like ah oh, fuck it, like if we win we win, if we don't we don't type of thing. At least in my head. But 2022, finally, I guess, closing up on this long-ass podcast that I thought it was going to be 20 minutes long. And I don't know if any of y'all are going to continue to listen to. But 2022 has been uh, the first um, Mundial, the first World Cup that I actually... I'm trying to work it more in the realm of journalism. I'm trying to get into that now that I'm 30. And I kind of do kind of know what I want to do with my life, which is I want to get into the world of soccer, like immerse myself in it some way or another, you know, via journalism, via, you know, calling games, writing about them, you know, just following it, however, maybe making content, making podcasts, making videos or whatever, maybe, but I want, you know, soccer to be my main job. I want a round spherical ball with 20 dudes running behind it to be the reason why I make my living the way that I make it, you know? Um, I know, I don't know how I'm going to do it. As of right now, it's just a hobby and it can be expensive at times. It can be time consuming at time, times, but I, I love every second of it. And and I know my family loves it and they, they love to see me happy and they know that this makes me happy. So they support it. So shout out to my family. But... You know, this is this is the first World Cup that I'm actually like kind of putting my soul and in, into it, my soul, my heart, and my might, and my time, and my you know abilities to think and try to watch every game and analyze the game as a game and everything that that comes with it. And it has become you know one of the greatest experiences of my life, to be honest. I mean, Argentina in the final, and it just means a lot because it takes it literally takes me back all the way back to to everything you know and and i'm probably going to experience the final alone but i know the first thing that i'm going to do whatever that happens you know after that game and and if it goes well the first thing that i'm going to do is i'm going to call my dad and i'm and i'm gonna like say thank you you know like like i've been thinking about it all day and and like 
and I'm I might be crying right now, but that, you know, just let me be. But I'm I'm gonna call my dad, and I'm just gonna say thank you. You know, thank you for 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 giving me something beautiful to kind of look at or cheer for, or just a passion that makes no fucking sense. Like I shouldn't be crying for soccer. You know, I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be this invested emotionally. I shouldn't be invested, you know, this this much in whatever the fuck I'm doing right now, you know? I shouldn't be having 50 minutes of talks and, and hoping people listen to it. But, you know, I'm just going to call him and just say thanks. You know, thanks for making me, you know, a, thanks for, you know, showing me what, you know, what a good man, is, you know, has to be like and, and you know, and, and a good dad, and thank you for for showing me what soccer is, man, and 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 showing me the way of how to support and not talk shit. <laughs> being a good fan, you know, being being a supportive fan, you know, even in the bad times, you know, just staying there with your colors, your teams, to basically knowing, teaching me how to love, and you know how to love this this game. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's just a game, but to us Argentinians, it's. It's it's a moment that we escape. It's a moment of happiness. It's a moment that we are not ourselves. And yes, we do give it to these players to, you know, we put all the responsibility on their backs. But I think you know they know they they know what what they mean to us, and they know that like they'll be immortalized, win or or lose, on Sunday they'll be in history forever. And you know, history in Argentina is written in, in games. <laughs> it's not written in you know founding fathers. It's written in in soccer games and how many goals and how you score goals. You know, it's written in in, in just statistics in a way. So they'll, they'll be in history forever for sure. And I'm just glad that I was part of it. You know, and I'm just glad that I was covering it for for somebody that somebody is watching, somebody's listening. And I'm glad that I was part of it. And I'm glad I was part of this journey for you as well. So with that being said, I know I rambled a lot. And, and hopefully you guys enjoyed it or somewhat. But at the end of the day, podcasting for me is a little bit of therapy. So shout out to, to you coming to my therapy sessions. But uh, hopefully you don't charge me. But yeah, man. But yeah, don't forget. Go follow the podcast. And uh, don't forget to follow the YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. And hopefully you guys stay tuned. 2023 is going to be a better year. We're going to have a lot better things. I'm And don't forget. Let me know if you know somebody that you would like to have on the podcast. Whatever it may be. Maybe. Do you know any Moroccans? Do you know any French people? Let me know. So I, w- I would love to talk to them. So without further ado, thank you guys. Y'all have a good day, a good morning, a good night.